Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 2023 to uh, 2024, and speaking just for myself... As I've said to many of my friends and acquaintances, I'm not going to be at all sorry to watch this year disappear in the rearview mirror. It's been a challenge. And so for, for so many, for so many uh, people in this country, we've also had the, uh, the privilege to speak to newsmakers at the, the top of the, uh, the stories who are, have a great understanding of what we've covered and what we're all interested in and what affects all of us. And uh, I've had the, uh, the uh, privilege of speaking with the ambassador to Canada from Israel, Ido Moed, and speaking with the former Canadian ambassador to Israel, Vivian Berkovich. And Ambassador Berkovich is going to join us in just a moment. What I want to do now, though, is just play you a little bit of the conversation I had with Ambassador Moed about the, the threats that we've been hearing about and reading about and watching, particularly on Global News, the threats that have been uh, developing. And here's how the conversation went between me. It's about a minute um, between me and the ambassador. I think that it's a source of serious concern. I would like to go into details about this uh, investigation, but we've, uh, we've had some incidents in Canada where uh, Jewish institutions were attacked, uh, shot at, uh, Molotov cocktails being thrown. So it's definitely a source for concern. Uh, what, uh, what are your more direct concerns? Have you had any threats at all toward the embassy? Uh, again, Roy, with your uh, permission, I wouldn't like to go into details about security matters. But as we've all heard in the last few weeks, uh, that there have been some incidents uh, in Canada around surrounding uh, Jewish institutions. So uh, the fact that that didn't happen prior to October the 7th is a source of concern that it's now risen to a level that uh, there, were, there, are, there is an ongoing investigation going on right now. Um, I think that uh, I can leave it at that. So that's the ambassador to Canada from Israel, Ido Moed, and talking about the 15-year-old who was arrested in uh, Canada, close to Ottawa on Friday by the RCMP, and as Mercedes Stevenson has told us, uh, they've had a conversation, Global News had a conversation with uh, the 15-year-old's father, and cannot name the young man, cannot name the father, because that might lead to the identification of the young man, and that would be contrary to criminal law in this country. Um, but there was some interesting Facebook posts that, on the surface, might have you assume or believe or uh, suggest that the father might have posted some um, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish uh, material on Facebook. Um, Mercedes told us that's now gone after Global News tried to talk to the father about that. So there's that the 15-year-old, there's the 16-year-old in Calgary who is arrested on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, and the RCMP, again by the RCMP, and the RCMP saying they're concerned about radicalization because over the last six months they've arrested, I think it's five uh, teens. There's also news today that Israel is negotiating, or at least talking with Hamas about hostages, 
We've been following the news very carefully, of course. IDF soldiers have also died in the war, but Israel considers this to be a war of survival. And what are the thoughts on the views of a former Canadian ambassador to Israel? Vivian Berkovich is that former um, ambassador to Israel from Canada. And uh, we've had the, uh, the pleasure to speak with the, uh, with the ambassador on a number of occasions. On Thursday, she attended the ceremony at Hostage Square. The ambassador joins us from Tel Aviv. Ambassador, thank you. I know it's late at night for you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm a night owl. Pleasure to be here, Roy. Okay. Well, then, I'm, then I don't feel bad about it if you're a night, night owl. Well, you should. I don't. <laughs> Oh, keep you up. We'll keep you up. Uh, no, thank you. I really do appreciate you coming on. What can you tell us about uh, reported negotiations going on between Israel and Hamas about the hostages? I don't know any more than has been reported in the press. Um, so, I mean, what we heard on the news here tonight is that negotiations are apparently um, ongoing. There was some talk today in the news here of Hamas considering, you know, kind of spitballing, hey, maybe we'll release 50 and, you know, as usual, they want a ratio of about one to six, right? So 50 civilians who have been taken captive and hostage, including one elderly man who's close to 85 um, and a now 11-month-old baby who's been in captivity for two months. So they're talking apparently about the possibility of exchanging 50 for 300 uh, convicted terrorists in Israeli prisons. Um, the mood here, though, in Israel has really shifted in the last week for a number of reasons and is becoming, public opinion is just becoming fierce in terms of we either release or get all of our hostages you know, in negotiations, or we rescue them. But why Why are we fighting this war? Why are we going through all of this suffering? Why are the civilians of the Gaza Strip going through all of this suffering? And for what? Right? Point of this war at the outset, in the very outset, there were two goals, two stated goals. Crush Hamas's capability to threaten Israel militarily, don't think the organization will be eradicated, but, you know, make them, turn them into a non-threatening force and get the hostages back, bring them home. And the second goal has kind of, in some ways, overtaken the first, I think, in the last week. The rage in the public is indescribable. You know, four more were were killed last week, four more hostages, three tragically by an Israeli soldier, um, another one murdered by Hamas, uh, and it was a 27-year-old woman, in Barheimer is her name, and she was last identified about two weeks ago, being dragged down the street, you know, by her hair, um, in a t-shirt and bare feet by a bunch of Hamas uh, thugs, and when they realized that someone was filming the scene on his phone, um, they put a bag over her head. So she was alive two weeks ago. Um, the information that we have is, well, we actually have about one person how she was killed. So, yeah. The, the question that many people are asking, mm. 
is is how is it that that uh, Hamas has been able to keep the hostages hidden from the Israeli military? Uh, one of the one of the more um, best trained militaries in the world with a with a tremendous intelligence operation, military oh. and, and other um, intelligence operations. How is it they've been able to do that? That's the question that I've heard a lot of people ask. Yeah, and believe me, we ask it too. But I'll, I'll give you the best answer I can. Um, as you may recall, Israel delayed going in on a ground operation for about three weeks after October 27th. And there were many, many reasons for that. Um, one being international pressure and another, frankly, just recalibrating how the IDF um, understands the enemy, Hamas, because clearly something went wrong, very wrong. And there was a huge intelligence failure on October 7th. So there was a lot of training, negotiating um, going on in those three weeks. So first of all, Hamas had time to kind of, you know, hide and move hostages. Had Israel gone in the next day, they probably would have had a much greater chance of of success in rescuing them. And that's something that many people ask here. Um, so Israel goes in, and by that time, um, you know, the Gaza Strip is a very highly populated uh, place. The hostages we presumed or were presumed by the defense officials and intelligence to be kept underground in their massive underground network of tunnels. Um, what we've learned since from rescued hostages and also from activity on the ground and intel gathered since the operation broke, is that many hostages have been kept above ground. They've been locked in rooms of, uh, we know of one who was an UNRWA teacher, United Nations Relief Works Agency, uh, a teacher with 10 children of his own. He locked a 10-year-old child up in a room for two months before he was released and fed him very little and apparently did other things. Um, so there are teachers, uh, there are stories of other UNRWA officials, there are civilians of some sort, maybe they're kind of, you know, Hamas-associated civilians. So the hostages became very kind of dispersed, and they were moved around a lot, you know, especially as the, um, the Israeli Air Force started bombing, you know, air attacks. And there was damage. So, you know, a lot of these people talked about having been moved many, many times. One woman who was uh, in captivity with her young daughter uh, said at one point they were sheltered in a mosque, um, a supermarket, underground tunnels, apartments. And it's so chaotic there. Um, and the urban areas are so dead. So that's exactly what happened. There was tremendous confusion, apparently, in a northern town in the Gaza Strip, and that's when that tragic accident occurred on Friday when an IDF soldier shot three hostages who had managed to escape. The IDF can't go down into the underground tunnels um, without knowing where they're going, or they'll just be slaughtered. You know, so the whole tunnel thing is a very, very delicate operation. Um, we know that there are hostages who have been kept down there and who are still being kept down there. But, you know, this is their turf. It's underground turf. Mm -hmm. The IDF doesn't know the network. Um, and the, the likelihood of ambush or terrible casualties are 
you know, almost 100 percent. Okay. So the whole operation is just delicate and taking way longer than everyone wants. And the people in Israel, you've told us, are fed up and they want this uh, to Beyond. be to to be over. And in the last week, uh, there's a level of anger, rage. I'm not sure which term you use, but. They probably both apply depending on the person you're talking to. Ambassador, what's your reaction? Everybody's had strong views on this. Your reaction to Canada voting to support the UN resolution calling for a humanitarian ceasefire. The resolution does not mention Hamas at all. And then Melanie Jolie on the CBC. I wish she'd come on this show. She favors, <laughs> she favors, favors uh, quote, accountability system to assess Israel's actions in the war on Hamas. Since they won't talk to me, what do you have to say to them? Oh, they're just absolutely beyond ill-informed, unsophisticated, um, and completely out of their depth. Um, the UN vote was a disgrace. It was a shame. Uh, Canada could and should have abstained uh, if it was not uh, prepared to support Israel more fully, like the United States and a few other countries with principle, but Canada voted for the resolution. And as you note, Roy, the resolution doesn't mention Hamas. It is a completely one-sided resolution, apportions all blame and, and you know, kind of responsibility for ending the conflict, um, you know, on Israel. And it, it's just, um, it's, it's ridiculous. Even worse was the treachery that led up to the vote. Um, you know, that morning of the vote on Monday, uh, a week ago, Prime Minister Trudeau put out a statement with Australia and New Zealand saying, you know, we support all these, Israel should live in security and hostages should be returned and uh, Hamas has to be disarmed and, you know, all these very reasonable conditions that match totally with Israel's position. Later that day, he has his UN ambassador, Bob Ray, vote for the resolution, a complete 180. And here's something interesting that the media just has not been covering in Canada. On the Saturday before the vote on Monday, Prime Minister Trudeau and Melanie Jolie, Minister of Foreign Affairs, hosted an urgent meeting on Saturday afternoon in Ottawa with the foreign ministers of Turkey, the Palestinian Authority, and Saudi Arabia. That is quite a confab. And we've had no explanation as to what these, this emergency meeting was about, why they had to meet. And I'll say it here, I've said it elsewhere, uh, I believe that the treachery was cooked up in that meeting. Uh, there's no explanation for it otherwise, and if there was, they would have told us. Very unusual for three Middle Eastern leaders to show up for an urgent meeting on a Saturday afternoon in Ottawa. Yeah, I, so, I, you know, yeah. I was on vacation. I, that's no excuse, but... I wasn't aware of that until you just said that. That's 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 mind. That's a yeah. mind blower. Yeah, kind of is. Kind of is. Yes, the Canadian media are like you know crickets on that. Um, so I mean, it's on my Twitter feed. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many other places you'll find it. But I mean, so the the whole UN vote was awful. Melanie Jolie comes out and says these things. But honest to God, I'm embarrassed for her. Um, never mind Canada, but. She she just does not understand, seem to understand. She just does not seem to be able to process the fact that Hamas is an Islamist terror organization. They are more organized and more well-financed than ISIS. They are more vicious than ISIS. 
they came into Israel and slaughtered everyone, including Thai workers, including African agriculture students. They don't care, and we can see how they operate around the world. For some reason, Canada, the Canadian government, seems to sort of almost fetishize, you know, Hamas, seems to be determined to see them as the innocent, oppressed victims. They're not. And and they say it. Like, you got to believe they say it. Look at what they do. Look yeah. how they behave. Yeah. So this just persists in uh, in foreign affairs, and it beats A- me. Ambassador Berkovich, I just have about 30 seconds left. Yeah. Is this going to extend far into 2024, or are the Israeli people laying down the gauntlet for the government of Israel saying, you have to stop, you have to get this done? Oh, I think they're laying down the gauntlet, but it will extend because that's a very complex issue. We have the Houthis in Yemen. We have the U.S. warships and serious um, military presence here. We have Hezbollah uh, in South Lebanon heating up. And, of course, behind all of this are two countries. Okay. Qatar and Iran. And we are way too cozy with Iran and Canada. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.